Leonard Cohen suggested there is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. This viral crack gives us a chance to create something new and better. So let's talk about back to different and let the light in. I delivered my first virtual class in 2009. Boy, that feels like a long time ago. I was in front of a blue screen behind a, a substantial desk, like a presidential desk. Um, across the studio in front of me was a gigantic flat screen monitor, and it showed me on one side and my slides from the presentation on the other, and behind us was the United States Capitol. Two technicians, Shige and Natalie, sat side by side on my left, and they were behind soundproof glass. I never saw the 23 participants in the session, and I could only communicate with them through a chat screen, which was on my laptop. Unfortunately, to to respond and to look at the chat screen, I had to look down, and I felt like I keep looking away like, like I'm not involved, and that didn't feel right. Well, I had no idea how it went. I felt surreal, and by the end, I was exhausted when the, when the screen finally went blank. But two things stuck out, and they were both surprises. First, I felt disconnected much more than they did, and I based that on the participants' feedback. Second, the client in this case required a test as part of the course. Not only were the multiple choice answers very close to perfect, but the four short answer questions produced the longest and the most detailed responses I'd ever seen. They, they gave me essays rather than bullet points. So somehow I'd been sucked dry and they'd overperformed. So what was that about? In their feedback, the prevailing comments had to do with their feeling more engaged in the learning than in an in-person classroom that their breakouts were more streamlined and productive than the usual table groups, and this one's the kicker. They felt more connected to me as a fellow, I don't know, traveler, learner, rather than as an instructor. Like we were all in the lifeboat and we were all rowing and I wasn't steering so much. So I wondered if my discomfort was not because the medium was ineffective, but because it was novel, it was new. And I think that's my best guess as to what happened. I think that the traditional classroom stood in the way of their leadership. And the digital one, accidentally or otherwise, made room for that. So what if our traditional classroom has been preventing rather than promoting what I call the connective tissue of continuous learning? And that connective tissue, I suggest, is leadership. So the sudden uh, pandemic breakdown of the big box school, uh, the vanished world of in-class learning, at least temporarily, and I don't think it's going to come back completely. I, it's just not. And this sort of extreme democratization of virtual connection, uh, we're all much more level from a playing field perspective than we were before, even even physically. Um, if you, for instance, do a Zoom session, you're all in the screen. You're all on the screen together. I mean, all your little squares are the same size. 
You don't have a teacher behind a podium and the students in desks. And this has given us learners new opportunities for engagement, but also a new level of accountability because we can disappear, we can hide, we can freeze, or we can stop our video and mute our microphone and go do something else. So there's a whole different kind of accountability than there has been before. Now, I don't know about you, but in the classroom, I certainly know how, how new, how, and still tell, I guess, how to, how to uh, appear interested when I was actually pretty close to um, somnolent sitting there. But this brave new world we're in has a, a whole different uh, sort of vortex of accountability, and I think we need to focus on that. So... Learners, students have always been, but, but from this point forward, are going to be more in charge of leading their own learning and their own development. And I say that anything that stands in the way of students developing these habits of leadership, of taking charge, should be discarded. And we have some old dinosaurs like segregation by age, which is still makes no sense, making teachers responsible for the lessons instead of everyone having administrators sort of at the peak of the school's direction defining cheating as when we help each other with our tests and tests thinking tests measure achievement instead of thinking as tests as a measure of curriculum schooling is a series of events disconnected from the rest of everyday life you go to work you go to school you go home uh uh-uh. uh and thinking that connectedness necessitates proximity. As the sort of traditional linear life of our schools has been withdrawn, we've created a vacuum. So what a perfect time in that vacuum to introduce leadership as the primary engine for future learning, both in practice and in substance. Now, STEM and STEAM and social studies and performing arts and woodshop are all fine. I have nothing against topics. We need them. Topics help us frame what we need to know and, and what we will learn that sticks in our brain. But beyond what to know, we now have the perfect moment, the perfect time to give us access to how to be, how to show up. And we can, we can build that differently. And I think we can build it much better. And shared leadership is the thread that links how to be, not just what to know, to the school. That includes things like empathy, um, political savvy, listening, feedback, emotional competence, building alliances, which we certainly need to be able to do right now, a transforming conflict, embracing our extraordinarily and wonderfully diverse learning styles and the two vectors of leadership, which are, I suggest, engagement, connection, and accountability, what I step up to do or not. And we don't have to work hard to teach these. We simply show them, we act them, and we create a, a, a context, a learning context that nurtures them. I suspect we'll see some marriage of face-to-face and virtual, uh, some balance between synchronous learning and asynchronous learning. And those environments are going to morph and move as the way 
moves forward, however that goes and wherever it tends. And the way forward for all of us will not even begin to resemble a straight line. I'm a lifelong sailor, and I know that navigation is not a straight line. It's actually an arc. It's a curve because the earth is curved. Well, this is going to be curved. It's not going to be a straight line. And we're going to have to wrestle with ideas and old ideas, especially about power, about control, and about leadership. And those the old dinosaur industrial era ideas about those things, I don't believe will work. In fact, they will only exacerbate the dysfunction and the tension. Now, I don't claim to have an answer for all this. Uh, that's that's straight line thinking at its worst. However, I have some ideas. I have some first steps. The first one has to do with, with power and control. You want to know about power, watch kids play. You want to know about leadership, watch kids play. Our our classrooms, whether whether we're talking kindergarten or uh, corporate learning centers, training centers, but they're really learning centers, um, underestimate power and overestimate control. Even LMS, that's a learning management system. You probably already know that, but I don't want to leave anybody behind. Too often promote the same old chalk and blackboard environment, really. Um, information, connections, assignments are parsed out in in uh, uh, tightly controlled dribs and drabs. This is an actual instruction from a, from a class I was I was just in. Read chapter three and answer questions three, four, seven, and thirteen. Please be sure to make your responses no fewer than one hundred words, no more than two hundred. I mean, really. I mean, really. How much? Um, it rhymes with banal control is that. And all that control gets rid of any possibility for me as a learner to learn to lead. And I get that we need boundaries and rules. We need them to set expectations and, and, and to create a, a safe environment. But if a rule does not promote universal leadership, give it the ax, get rid of it. More rules do not create more opportunities. Have, have you ever heard of an employee manual getting shorter? Peter Senge, smart guy, um, The Fifth Discipline is his sort of most famous work, suggests that the only thing on a job description should be learned. That's it. Our kids aren't dumb. They know about hypocrisy. Parents who who, uh, make their kids wear helmets when they bicycle, though the parents don't. I mean, our kids understand hypocrisy. If we really want them to learn, really do, sincerely, why don't we trust them enough to let them build a sort of elastic edifice that they need to do that? Management is about controlling others. Leadership is about exploring self. So knowing how to read and analyze and construct, solve, to um, assemble, to synthesize, to combine and separate, those are all wonderful tools to learn them and and then to apply them in a really tightly controlled setting reduces the learner's capacity rather than builds it. What you're saying is these things only work within the structure that I design. And what about that makes sense, especially now? That Those capacities are developed through trial and, 
trial and error and through exercises. And those are cognitive and emotional and connective exercises. We learn better together. You can't learn to swim by sitting in rows and like flapping your arms and your feet around. So what if we accepted that the power of human curiosity, the power of human need for discovery and creativity develop in indirect proportion to the weight of control. In other words, the more control, the less power. So a second thing I suggest has to do with timing. We're, we're being swept up by this, this flowing together, this uh, confluence of technology, this viral mayhem um, and social and economic turmoil and a culture, a society, maybe a world that's kind of in a, in a cocoon right now. And we don't know what the next shape is going to be. We know that caterpillars have to dissolve into a, a, a sort of organic paste before they can reform into whatever. And that dissolution is happening. Much, much, much of it is devastating and deeply wounding. That's not negotiable. But what we do next is... The course we take and the navigation we need for that course will not be linear, as I suggested before. It's going to be pretty chaotic, but that doesn't mean it's no less powerful. Now, I've mixed, I've mixed metaphors pretty shamelessly in, in, this, in this thing that I've put together, and I've kind of played conceptual whack-a-mole because I don't have the answers, much less the answer. And even couching the way forward that way, I think is a mistake. I'd like to suggest a first step. Who can decide what to do, how, when, and why? In our schools, everyone. We've never had such anxiety and possibility in our lifetime, certainly not in my lifetime. And I think we owe our future children a huge debt. Much of this disruption is of our own making. Ambiguity, questions, risk, uh, fearlessness, vulnerability will provide for us if we give them space and trust. And we can't expect anyone or any group of people whom we exclude from this deconstruction and reconstruction of education to be invested in the chain if they're, if they're not part of it. This opportunity is painful and uncomfortable for all of us. It's, it's devastating for many, many people. So why not have the next generation look back on this time and say, of us, they didn't run and hide, they made it better, and they trusted us enough to include us in leadership. Thanks for giving us a listen. As we move forward with this situation, with this thing that's us, let's never forget that we are all in this together. No matter what else happens, we're all in this together. Thank you. <laughs>